This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Very good morning to you. Here's Craig Earlham, who's market analyst at Oanda. Let's talk about uh, the virtual Jackson Hole Central Bank bankers get together and the fact that they'll be talking about inflation targets won't they certainly that's the expectation from jay powell yeah it is it's it's going to be an interesting meeting whether it, it kind of moves the dial enormously um is is uh is going to be interesting but like i say i think uh it, it's certainly going to be an interesting meeting there's been a call for a long time to consider uh, different types of inflation targets and to uh, to look at ways in which we can improve the system because ultimately one of the criticisms of central banks uh, for the last number of years has been the fact that the target's been 2% inflation but very few uh, central banks are actually hitting that target. Uh, many of them are falling well short and you could see are uh, raising interest rates and the anticipation of inflation which never actually arrives. So there's been a lot of calls for re-evaluation re- to what needs, what, what's deemed to be acceptable yeah. and do, what do, is actually just remember, stifling growth for the sake of it. Do you remember how that 2% target actually was arrived at? I, memory fades, I have to say. I can't remember. It's, it's, that, it's, it's a long time ago. I mean, we're talking about, what, 97 or as far as the UK is concerned. I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, I think it's purely academic. It's, it, I think it was just deemed to be the level of inflation that allows the economy to to grow at a, at a, at a good rate uh, while not allowing price pressures to effectively get out of control. So it was kind of an acceptable level of inflation that, that, that encourages growth in an economy. But like I say, it's purely academic, which is why there's always going to be debates about what's the right level. For example, one uh, idea with inflation targeting is just not just uh, to take into consideration inflation, but also to take into consideration growth uh if you are running uh, if you if you set a growth and inflation target at four to five percent then you, d- you you don't stifle growth at the cost of inflation so if growth is running at 0.5 percent and inflation is two percent should you be raising interest rates uh and that's a question that many people will be asking so i think it's about time that central banks do reevaluate their practice and do reevaluate what their targeting should be don't be surprised though if they do come back with very very minor tweaks. Uh, so if you do see uh, an inflation target of around two percent rather than two percent, which like enables them to run hot to around two and a half percent or even low at one point five percent and remain on target. So just remove some of the very specific nature okay. from it. So it will be an interesting uh, debate, but whether we expect any drastic changes, I'm not too sure. Okay, uh, talking about minor tweaks, what sort of ammunition does the Fed and similar central banks actually have still? I mean, I was looking at uh, Germany yesterday, for example, extending their furlough scheme uh, until the end of next year, which they said they would do. And this is on top of the 1.2 trillion euro that the German government itself has earmarked, as it were, for their pandemic relief scheme. This is going to cost them um, a, a lot of money as well. I mean, when you look at central banks, I don't know what you think. My view kind of is, well, if, 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 they're, if they've got a, an international credibility, then that's absolutely fine. If they don't, then they're in trouble. What ammo does the Fed have? Yeah, I mean, it's easier for some central banks than it is for others to uh, to uh, use new methodology. Uh, the Fed 
we were, it feels like we've been talking for a number of years now people are asking questions about what more they could do they were saying their balance sheet is is more than is four and a half trillion dollars their uh, interest rates were at record lows what more can they possibly do and then we saw their response to the pandemic and they took very targeted measures aimed at certain corners of the markets whether that was the ETF market whether that was the um, the mortgage-backed securities market whether that was dollar funding there's always going to be areas where they have control of a market or where they can have control of the market uh, and they can then stabilize they kind of have this joint mission there's one which is making rates as low as possible to try and stimulate the economy and they've achieved that with many of these schemes and i think quantitative easing is one of the more effective schemes since uh, since the uh, they hit kind of record low interest rates before going negative which is something that they could still technically do although i think they'll want to avoid it but the other area the area that was more important during this pandemic was about financial market stability because the problem that we have is when the pandemic pandemic hit the the market started to be show signs of incredible instability and all of a sudden that can be a, a really dire domino effect where one area falls and other areas start uh, tumbling along with it so one of the most effective things that the Fed really did there was ensure that the dominoes didn't start falling through a number of its different schemes. I think it had around eight schemes running at one point during the early part of this pandemic, and it was extremely successful. It was the, the central banks were effectively the reason why this didn't turn into a full-blown crisis. Let's talk about a bit about trade. Um, the EU Trade Commissioner, uh, Phil Hogan, has been forced to resign because of breaking coronavirus quarantine um, uh, regulations. And there is a story in The Times this morning that Tony Abbott, who's the ex um, Prime Minister of Australia, is going to be joint president of the new UK Board of Trade. Um, and third thing, apparently the Japan trade talks, which is going to be our supposed to be our first, as it were, post Brexit triumph or not, as the case may be, will take weeks rather than days. Um, it's a very mixed picture. This is it does get complicated, doesn't it? And I won't even bring in the United States and, and, and China. And yet these have quite um, significant moves on the markets, these these sort of decisions. Yeah, they do. They're obviously very significant decisions, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be uh, the, the kind of decision which uh, which Boris is going to be uh, asked to justify uh, many, many times over the coming weeks. Um, on the uh, Phil Hogan issue, again, it's one of those disappointing, um, disappointing events where... I'm sure a lot of people are breaking quarantine rules, um, uh, and I'm sure most people aren't, but I'm sure many people are. But there's people who are in certain positions where breaking them is just unforgivable. The, yeah. You are an, you are a representative. You are effect, You are meant to be leading by example. That is, in effect, your job. So when you decide that the rules don't apply, then people are naturally going to be absolutely furious, and it's almost very different from the from the from the, from the, the, the person on the street. So that type of thing is is extremely uh, is extremely disappointing. But on the trade side, who in who's in charge of our trade talks is obviously going to be very impactful. There's a lot of trade deals to uh, negotiate, not just between now and the end of the year, but going on forward after that. Maybe they see um, uh, Tony Abbott as having uh, vast experience in this area, uh, who can lend their experience to, uh, to our team. It wasn't too long ago that we were talking about the fact that while we do have some very skilled uh, people working in the civil service, we, we aren't that experienced in trade talks because there's been an EU contingent that have been negotiating our trade deals for the last uh, 40 years. So 
maybe that is part of the logic. But again, uh, it does raise more questions than it answers. Uh, I mentioned I very. At this point. I mentioned very briefly uh, the the news out of Germany yesterday that, as expected, their furlough scheme is going to they're going to continue, and their whole policy has been shielding. Uh, their workforce from the from the pandemic as much as they can uh, not so in this country not so in the united states in fact people are looking at the furlough scheme and saying actually when it expires in october it will have masked a huge unemployment problem in this country do you feel that's that's true it will to an extent, but there's going to be areas where it may have protected. Uh, I, I do think it's going to have protected a lot of jobs. There is going to be a masking, but this was a broad brush approach. This was an emergency measure. But we look at, for example, the hospitality industry here in the UK that's um, that's bounced back quite well since reopening. The Etel to Help Out scheme has um, a, a widely been viewed as a roaring success. And you wonder, would that have been almost possible without the furlough scheme that pre that the that, that, that preceded it, uh, which enabled all of these people to remain employed and give these businesses an opportunity to at least try and thrive once again. And there is still going to be job losses across the board. That's inevitable. It's the sad um, reality of uh, of this situation. But I'm sure there's many, many jobs which have been saved as a result of this and probably many businesses as well. So uh, I don't think we can understate it. There's obviously going to be studies into just how effective it's been and whether the, the, the cost-benefit analysis. But the last thing we need right now is mass unemployment. So uh, I think it's hard to it's hard to disagree with, with, with its effectiveness. And in fact, I think the biggest criticism may come if we do see a spike in unemployment the biggest criticism is going to come not from uh, the government for using it in the first place, but for potentially not expanding it uh, a little bit further and taking or taking on the bill that comes with it in order to give many of these businesses a chance to thrive again rather than be forced now to potentially consider laying people off. Craig Earlham, thank you very much indeed. This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Uh, 